Welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast. I'm your host and advocate, Ali Kranz. These podcasts are here to gather stories, people and information to better our understanding of the wisdom of birth and how we can reclaim our connections to birth from conception and beyond. You will hear stories not only from Australia but from all over the world, bringing together women, partners, midwives, doulas and all the people that have a birth story to share. So jump right in for this next Circle of Birth story. Welcome and I hope you're ready for an absolutely gorgeous birth story. We have two home births here to talk about from the lovely and empowering and I just want to listen to her talk all the time, Nicole Moore. So you will hear of birth and coal which is in the waters, which is amazing. You'll hear about lotus birth. You'll hear about clamshell baths and teepees and beautiful intentional communities and how important they are in these systems. Nicole's stories just amazed me and I felt like I was in holiday birth bliss by listening to these stories. So so snuggle up and listen and be enriched by the beautiful Nicole and these gorgeous stories. Thank you. Hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us on the Circle of Birth podcast. And it's such a pleasure to have you here and to share some of your birthing wisdom. And I know you've got a few birth stories to share with us and your journey especially too. Yeah, thank you, Ali. It's it's a pleasure to be invited. Yes. So shall we start off with uh, a bit about yourself and then we can start off with your first birth uh, journey, which was a home birth, I believe. Yeah, both my babies were home births, actually. Um, yeah, so my name's Nicole. I grew up in Sydney and I, um, you know, very quickly realised that mainstream kind of dominant culture wasn't really for me and I took off travelling, um, you know, quite early and spent many years on the road. And those experiences of, of travelling in developing countries had a really big impact on me and I did come back to Sydney uh, you know I have family there and uh, and I and I did do another few years living in Bondi uh, and and making a film and yeah you know kind of integrating my traveling experiences but um, once I'd done with the film and I'd sold it to the ABC and so on I realized that I really needed to um, get out of the city and so my very fresh partner and I who is now my life partner of 16 years now uh, it moved up north and we live on an intentional community and grow our own vegetables we run a small chai business and uh, yeah you know birthed and, and raised our kids here so was the so, move um, to the intentional community intentional or you just wanted to move up there and see? Uh, no, it was intentional. Yep. It was intentional. Yep. We were looking for a, a different lifestyle and we were very enthusiastic about community life and um, being able to share resources and, and you know, live off grid. That was a really big thing as well. Um, and for me, living simply was a, a a big attraction to community life because it meant that we could live in a way that, you know, you just can't in suburbia. Um, yeah, yeah, which is a big L- Living close to the earth yeah. and, and close to the beach as well, you know, in amongst the elements. We live, you know, with daily connection to earth, fire, water, <laughs> you know, and... Um, and not just water, where you know where you're turning it, turning on your tap, and it's coming out. Although we do now have those luxuries, but awareness of water. You know, we live on, like I said, we live off grid, so you know we're living from tank water. We're in close contact with, you know, are our gutters clean? Is the water tank clean? Those sorts of things. So a very elemental life is what, and and a simple life is what I wanted, and um, for the most part, it's what I've got. So that's a little bit about me. And, and you've been there for 16 years now, is that right? 16 years now, yeah. Great. And, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. People often ask, you know, people who are new to off-grid living or new to the concepts of, of off-grid living ask, you know, well, 
how do you do it? But I honestly have never looked back. We have now, after you know many years of establishing our home, we have lots of comforts. We have hot running water. We have great solar power. Steiner, Rudolf Steiner, um, you know, really advocates awareness of the seasons. And there's nothing like off-grid living for bringing you into full awareness of that. Uh, yeah, you know, what is yeah. what is the weather doing? Where are we in the in the year? And after years of living like this. You know, the cyclical, seasonal awareness, it's its just beautiful. I, I remember we had a compost toilet and we were so in tune with, um, like in spring and summer, the tiger snake that used to live in the compost pile that we just knew that the right times to empty the... <laughs> Um, empty the compost toilet because a tiger snake would be not out <laughs> and about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, how about we um, we head into your so moving birth on to journeys? Birth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, my I part of being in community life is is that I was surrounded by women of all ages. You know, very much a village. Um, feel to my social structure here and uh, you know of course I had that with my mother and aunties and I'm very blessed to have a stepmother as well and so you know I've always had lots of women in my life but because the women in my community were all very like-minded to me which our family of origin aren't always it meant that I was exposed to heaps of different birth stories and a lot of them were home birth stories so that naturally led to me uh, wanting to explore that option for myself and there was a midwife uh, uh, who lives in this area who uh, yeah she's quite a little bit older than me and um, you know very much a wise woman and she'd been birthing with women for 30 years and Basically, every conversation that I had seemed to lead to her. <laughs> and so when I met with her, it, it was a no-brainer, really. She's an amazing woman and, um, yeah, held space for my learning and growth in such a beautiful way. She was also working with an apprentice at the time who has since become a very dear friend of mine. So there she was for me throughout my pregnancy with beautiful rose geranium oils and flowers and lots of loving touch and yeah, doing you know all the all the sort of peripheries of my care that my older midwife um, wasn't necessarily as available for. So that was very beautiful. I felt very nurtured. Plus. Um, you know, good friends all around me sharing their stories and their wisdom. And one friend in particular, uh, Rosa, who was at both of my births, she, you know, not only sort of listened to my needs and, and gently guided me, but, you know, she did things like organising the food roster, which also gave and, and was very clear with people about boundaries because as a new mother I didn't know what I needed but Rosa knew and <laughs> she made it very clear to people that you know dropping off food wasn't necessarily the opportunity for a two-hour visit um, she is the one who you know during my birth itself um, fended off very well-intentioned visitors who were just coming to have a cuppa you know in my last days uh, but who would have walked into the birth space had they had they not met Rosa, <laughs> um, saying, you know, okay, bye-bye. Uh, so she was just fantastic and, and yeah, such a, a wonderful guide and has been all of my child-rearing years, actually. So, yeah, I felt very blessed to be part of this community of, of women who were, you know, supportive of my choices because, you know, my birth mother was scared. She'd never even heard of home birth before I mentioned it. And... Um, yeah, so it just meant that I got I got everything that I needed because, you know, of course I wanted and needed my birth mother's support and I eventually did get it. But it meant that, you know, there was lots of positivity and assurance to sort of counteract her very natural fears and concerns for my well-being. So coming to the birth itself, 
yeah, I was a little bit overdue, first baby, you know, and the way that they work it out with the 40-week thing is ridiculous. It's always, you know, it's always two weeks um, or roughly two weeks mm. over. The, the, it should the be 42 babies. weeks, shouldn't it? 42 weeks and then over. <laughs> yeah, it definitely should. But so, you know, there was no pressure whatsoever for me um, approaching due date from any of my carers. Um, of course, the phone was ringing a lot with the extended family, but, you know, um, it was all good. Uh, so you had, when, yeah, did you have home visits with your carers or did you have to go into a clinic? Uh, no, home visits. Home I, visits, I would yeah. visit her home and then in the final month she was coming to me. Um, yeah, and, it, you know, coming to me and ha- making sure that we knew all the little practical things that we, we needed to have to set up. So at that time we had not yet built our beautiful mud brick home that we live in today and we were living in a, um, a caravan with a deck and an outdoor kitchen and we had set up a beautiful teepee as our birth space. And so I used that for my blessing way, which was a gorgeous gathering of women um, filled with flowers and song and, you know, just divine. And, yeah, as the birth approached, we got all of that set up, you know, with a, a big, beautiful bathtub Um, which was kindly lent to me by another member of the community and it was actually a big um, clamshell, (laughs) a clamshell bathtub. It's like a a spa that you're meant to have, you know, dug in, but she'd never gotten around to doing that. So it it was able to be put on the back of a trailer and brought over here. And so we had this big, beautiful teepee uh, and this enormous two-person clamshell bath (laughs) and then we had a a sort of a gas hot water system set up with a hose coming down and into the bath and then again out through the plug hole and down out away from the teepee and down the hill Uh, so we started sleeping in the birth space probably you know four or five days before the birth because we were overdue and really wanting it to happen and and just like okay let's get ready you know you get to that point where there's there's nothing else except when is the baby coming and, you know, as much as you try to relax into it, it's, there's just so much anticipation. And um, do, do you think the community that surrounded you gave you a lot of sort of positivity with those last days? Um, yeah, absolutely. Everyone, yeah, there hadn't been a baby born on the community for about six years, which is a long time in a community of 200-odd people and, um, you know, lots of people with numerous kids and stuff like that. So, you know, there had been a whole flurry of births six years beforehand and then nothing. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we had arrived um, oh, probably two years before we gave birth. And um, during that time, there were so many um, people asking, when, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? <laughs> It's, you know, it's prime baby-making um, territory here because, you know, everybody is so healthy and alive and, you know, when you're young, uh, there just doesn't seem to be any reason why not. Uh, so there was a lot of enthusiasm for our baby and I was very, very happy that in my final weeks of pregnancy, another family came who had been living for many years out in the desert uh, and living on Aboriginal communities, and they're sort of long-term friends of this community. So they arrived here in order to home birth their baby with the same midwife as me. Uh, so that was fantastic because Sophie, um, who was the other mama, uh, definitely took some of the attention and kind of, you know, <laughs> pressure <laughs> off me. Uh, yeah, I was very happy to share share that load. Of people wanting to, you know, love me up and touch the bait, touch my belly, and yeah. all that stuff. You know, everybody was very connected. Yeah. Um, so, and and hence the need for strong boundaries that I mentioned before with Rosa. You know, it all comes from a place of beautiful, loving, caring, sharing intention. Um, but you know, with the need for privacy and and um, safety around birth and yeah, I I didn't need a lot of that attention, particularly as I got very, very close. Mm. 
Um, sounds very special. And definitely didn't want it for the postnatal period. You know, it's such a... And I'm a very strong advocate to this day of leaving the mother and baby as alone as they want to be. Mm. You know, of of not having too many visits, of having meal rosters made very clear that, you know, dropping off the food and leaving is is just as good as having a visit Um, because, you know, there's just so many ways that a mother's sort of, you know, delicate time of repair and, and restoration after birth, how it can be interfered with even by the most well-meaning person, you know, and the whole journey to, to learning how to breastfeed, all of that. Um, so, yeah, with all of that loving enthusiasm, Rosa's firm boundaries were, were needed and, um, and very, very helpful because, yeah, I wouldn't have set them in place. Um, myself at that age and that time of my life. Great. So the birth itself was kind of textbook in the way that I journeyed through all the different gateways of initiation. You know, there was a long sort of pre-labor stage where I was very excited and, um, you know, this is it, this is it. <laughs> uh, little did I know um, how far I had to progress Um so it was a long labour. It was 21 hours altogether, and it was very much a, a yeah a journey and an initiation, going through all those different gateways of surrender, um, acceptance. Yeah, and I yeah I felt very supported by, like I said, my my midwife Joey, my gorgeous friends, and you know she was Joey's apprentice at the time, Steph. And Rosa, who was doing all the practical things and, you know, supporting my partner. Um, and because our living situation was a little bit different, uh, you know, there's just a little bit more work involved in various things, even if it just meant, you know, carrying food down to the teepee, you know, just a couple of metres away from our outdoor kitchen. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, so there was definitely a time, though, where I kind of went, well, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but what are all of you doing here? And um, and and felt a little bit like, ooh. Um, but they were all so wonderful to that, and they just would, like, disappear. Yeah, my partner was amazing, and I have a gorgeous photo that I use quite a bit um, with my work of the two of us in the bath holding hands, and the, the clasping hands is the central focus of the photo. And, yeah, for me, that image epitomises his support, and, and, you know, his sort of rock-like presence for me in my labour. So somewhere around transition, I felt a bit intimidated by everybody <laughs> watching me and, and you know, being there for me. So I asked them all to leave and spent some time really connecting with myself and myself as a woman in a body that has been designed to birth. I had all these pictures of women from different cultures stuck in behind the teepee poles around the birth space. And, you know, I was looking up into the eyes of different women from different cultures and all different ages and just really connecting with women have been doing this for thousands of years, millions of years. Why am I any different? You know, it was that whole... And like I said, my my journey had been quite textbook and and very much a rite of passage. And that moment was no less so where I really got out of my own way and my own sense of personal identity and connected with womanhood in per se and womanhood throughout the ages. And, And that's when I really was able to access the strength and power that it took to bring that baby through. And, um... Yeah, it was joyous and ecstatic and I had the full advantage of a completely undisturbed hormonal eruption of oxytocin, um, which I had never experienced the likes of before. And I, yeah, it was life-changing. And, and Did you find after that time alone, did you just get to a point where you called everyone back in and was it time to start pushing or did you find that was a big transition for you? 
to be honest, I can't remember the practicalities of it. I think at some point somebody must have just creeped back in and, and then let the others know, yep, it's okay. Um, it's quite empowering just to have that time on your own and, like you said, reflect on women that have been birthing over the centuries. And Yeah, I, it was, I really needed that. I mean, look, my birth team were incredibly sensitive anyway, that none of them were doing chit-chat or asking me any questions or, you know, engaging my intellect in any way. But I, I really needed to get into that very, very primal space of, um, of timelessness and, and identitylessness <laughs> and just be, be a body that knew what to do. And, you know, reach out to the, the cosmos to, to gather my strength and to know that, you know, if all of these women have done this, I can do it too. And um, and how was the yeah. um, how was the pushing part? Was that did that go for very long? And what time was he born? I think it went for at least an hour or two. It it was huge, you know. It was absolutely huge in terms of gathering every iota of strength and power. And you know, sometimes I would roar, and sometimes I would stay silent, and you know, sometimes I would swear. yeah it was it was cataclysmic really um and it absolutely has informed my mothering you know both of my children are incredibly vibrant intelligent alive little darlings that have needed you know i have needed every bit of that strength that I discovered that I had in my birthing um, to, to raise them as mothers, uh, as a mother. Yeah, they're, they're so, you know, cute. yeah, anyway, yeah. look, all kids, are, all kids are vibrant and challenging and, yeah. and stuff, but, you know, I have needed a lot of strength as a mother to know that I could do it. Yeah. And that birthing experience really gave me that. Mm. And, and how, how did the postpartum period go for you guys? Postpartum was awesome. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, my friend Rosa, you know, held some pretty clear boundaries for me around visits. So it meant that, you know, for the first 10 days, we were barely disturbed. She was coming and taking our washing away and things like that. The midwife and um, and Steph were visiting to check on my health and, uh, um, you know, make sure everything was flowing with the feeding. But I was extremely well supported and my partner was completely available and we basically sat around spouting love poetry to this beautiful baby boy who was perfect in every possible way. Uh, Like I mentioned, we did nappy free from birth, so that was also really incredible kind of connecting in on that level and really opening up and expanding our senses to incorporate caring for a new being you know and, and so with that I mean all the senses you know like I'm, those of your listeners who are already mothers will know you know what it's like to have that kind of extrasensory perception where you wake up moments before your baby wakes or where you're sleeping but you can still hear every breath they take um so you found yeah, and you had that space where you could tap into all those cues and senses and that's right and I didn't have to lift a finger you know I I was just feeding and being with baby feeding sleeping and being with baby wow and it was such a blessing and of course it was different second time round because I had another child already um, but that first time. It was just this incredibly spacious, open, loving space that, um, yeah, was was his his entry to life. And I, yeah, I feel very blessed that we were able to um, create and experience that. So and yeah, my partner's a musician, so there were all sorts of songs emerging from him, and um, you know, playing the songs to our baby that we had been playing throughout his pregnancy and um yeah very very beautiful time mm. and very nurturing i was i'm um, very blessed mm. i was just about to say that as nurturing comes into mind it just seems you guys were completely immersed in 
nurturing. <laughs> yeah, well, we were. And, you know, like I didn't leave the birth space for some days after the birth. I would like, you know, poke my head out the teepee door to sort of spit my toothpaste. But apart from that, every single need was taken care of. We had a bucket toilet in place for the labour. And my partner was so amazing at taking care of me that he, you know, I even got to keep that for a few days, you know, some days before I even left the space, even just to pee. Like, you know, I just, I didn't take my eyes off my son, basically. Yeah. And uh, I, I talked to a few people about this and sort of period of, you know, it could be 24 hours to a week where they don't leave that space and it's you know they immerse themselves either in darkness and same with the the lotus type births too it's um people don't come around and visit yet and they say that those periods they can see that transition of baby sort of reconnecting to the world the transition for the baby from womb to outside and then having those days where it's just you know mum and bub and partner um and that's it and it's that they can see the baby sort of shift into like okay i'm ready now to absolutely face things (laughs) absolutely it's a very gentle way to arrive Mm, yeah because um yeah there's no bright light there's no harsh sounds and if mother and and father are being cared for as well then it means that you know they can be completely present to the baby and I totally relate to what you're saying because um you know even just watching the baby unfold you know the the way that they they sort of every now and then revert back to their womb posture yeah yeah. where their limbs are you know it's a um their, their limbs are all tucked up together and and then you watch them sort of slowly start to unfold and then one day you look at them and they're sleeping with their hands thrown back against the bedding and, you know, in that space of complete surrender and... Mm. Um, which which yeah. essentially sort of comes into the work, I suppose, that you're doing now with the imprint, you know, the, the imprint on the baby when it comes into the world and trying our best. I know there's always cases where we need assistance and help um, but it's still trying to make that as gentle as possible, I suppose. Yeah, very much so. Very much so that the work that I do is around creating um, birth experiences for people that are like that, Mm -hmm. where they can feel that they've arrived into a place that is completely safe. So so after that gorgeous experience, then three years later you became pregnant again and you guys were still, well, you still are in the community, so you're, st- you're still in the community. So did you yeah. did you have a, how did that experience go for you and did you get the clamshell bathtub back again? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, we didn't get the clamshell bath. We had a different birth pool, but I didn't get to use it the second time. Uh, and it wasn't quite three years. Uh, my son was close to two when we conceived. And um, whilst his conception had been very, very much upon invitation and very conscious, um, a big giant yes from the two of us um, that, that led to his arrival, uh, whereas for my daughter it was, We'd been very cautious because, like a lot of mothers, I, I did go on to find the experience quite overwhelming of caring, you know, 100% caring for another being and um, my very high ideals around parenting and, and newborn care meant that, um, yeah, you know, it was very new <laughs> to me to be giving that much of myself. And, and so we'd been very cautious um, around conception, but... Then we made love and kind of went, oh, oops, <laughs> uh, gosh. And I and I thought, I remember thinking to myself, God, that was a bit silly. Should I, you know, get up and wash or what, do we, you know? And I remember lying back and going, oh, could I have another baby? And there was this very small part of me that said, yeah, it'll be all right. Mm, and then wow. she was, there she was. She decided. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, like I think that that little bit of a yes that I gave um, was was enough for her to go. Yeah, I'm here. And my daughter is an absolute powerhouse. She's she's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but she so she she sort of snuck in. Um, it was yeah, quite possibly our, our first lovemaking without protection, and there she was. And then uh, her birth was very similar in that. It was an hour and 20 minutes. Wow. I feel like I did all the hard work in my first labour. You know, I talked about the gateways and the kind of rite of passage that I went through in my first labour. And the second time around, it was like I was entering a tunnel and I knew that I would come out the other side. And so my surrender was rapid and complete. Wow. And I just went... Boom, and to the point where we didn't actually get to use the birth pool because the whole thing just moved so fast. And um, I spent most of the labour on my own because my partner was there was a bit of a problem with the water, so he was off down at the dam pumping up water, and the neighbours were drumming, so I had to ask him to go and tell the neighbours to stop. So he sort of had a bit of a chat over there. Neither of us expected the whole thing to be moving as fast. Uh, as it did. Um, was it quite intense too or was it just you, you were ready for it, the channels were clear or did you find some um, intensity to that hour and a half? There was intensity. There was intensity and I didn't know that it was moving as fast as it was. You know, I didn't know until sort of quite close to her being born how close we were. You know, because my experience of labour had been of such a longer journey I, and I never expected, you know, I'm quite a small framed woman and um, I just never expected it to move so fast. And and basically Rosa arrived um, and I was on my hands and knees and th- there was a little bit of confusion for a moment because uh, she could see... The, the baby coming, but she, my daughter was in the call, so it didn't look like a baby, and, and there was a little moment of concern of what is that? Is it the placenta? You know, because it looked like, you know, membranes and stuff, and um, and I put my hand there and felt baby's head, but it didn't feel anything like it had felt last time. You know, the walnut sort of feeling wasn't there it was it was membranes and it was squishy and so I had a moment of panic of oh my god it's the placenta um which was crazy and then the midwife arrived um because we didn't phone her straight away you know why would you labor had just started (laughs) you know uh so and and last time she was there for so long and um yeah so I and when the midwife arrived, it was basically the last push. Well, it was the first push. She and I had only, I hadn't pushed at all. She said, "Oh, you can push on the next contraction. I think this will be the one." So I did give a little push, but prior to that, baby had completely emerged or completely um, gone down the birth canal and was right, you know, was crowning before I'd, I'd pushed at all. I'd just been basically breathing with all the sensations and, and the intensity of it. And, you know, but because I didn't know how close it was, um, there wasn't that feeling of, oh, my God, this has been so fast. It was just like we're just doing what we're doing. And, you know, and, of course, I'd said things like, the baby's coming, the baby's coming. <laughs> my, I remember my partner laughing at me going, yeah, the baby's coming. And I'm there in all my, you know, wildness going, the baby's coming. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> um, did she come out in call as well? or did uh, she, her, head, her head came out in call and then on the, when her body emerged, everything splattered. Wow. So, yeah. and that, is that indicative of her personality? Now with a bit of come out with a splash and <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely um, and That's the awesome. speed the speed of her arrival and the, yeah. you know the intensity um, 
how, how did that feel after um, just sort of sitting back uh, and holding I was, her? And... I was feeling like I could jump from here up to the planets, over to Africa. and You know, like I was like out of my skin with, you know, a feeling of being on fire and alive and like I can do fucking anything, <laughs> you know. And, and basically the midwife said, I am not leaving until you are lying down. <laughs> you know, lie down, pull yourself back in, Nicole. You know, because I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was, yeah, I had all that rush of oxytocin and everything, but with such a strong surge of adrenaline and power as well that, um, yeah, I needed kind of like real encouragement to lie down. So you got like and, the strong cocktail at the bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so did my daughter. And, and, you know, that's definitely part of who she is today. And um, my son had been, you know, somewhere around, somewhere during the time that I was in labour, he had gone down to the neighbour's house. And so Rosa went down to get him and bring him back um, so he could look at the baby. And I actually, and, and another, Rosa's son and son's father also sort of popped by or something. And the neighbour had brought Carl back, my son. So I invited them all. This is what my midwife was talking about, you know, get back to yourself, because I invited them all into the birth space. I still had the placenta inside. <laughs> I'm sitting there with the baby, and I was just like, yeah, look, look at my beautiful baby. And, you know, they'd, like the, the neighbour had was just dropping Carl off, and I could see her feet under the skirt of the teepee so I was like come in come in look look what I've done (laughs) and it was um it was very exciting and yeah and so they all sort of arrived looked at the baby for a little while and then the midwife got them out and okay Nicole come on let's let's get the placenta happening and and um yeah and did yeah, you um, postpartum again? Did you sort of have a good experience with that? Very good, yep. because this time we had three weeks of meal roster, <laughs> 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 and um, yeah, you know it was different because I had Tal, yep. so my partner was much more on board with him, and I was getting more time alone with the baby. Did you do a lotus with, birth with her? Is that I did. Yeah. Okay. But she only got 24 hours because we had a goanna hanging around and with our, because she wasn't getting the same undivided attention that her big brother had, um, you know, w- yeah, we didn't feel quite as good about leaving it on, um, you know, as, as this, and she was born in March. So the smell was, was getting quite st- a lot stronger, a lot faster. And we is were that, doing is all that the, why the goanna was hanging about? Because of the... Oh, look, wanted to we had a lot of goannas anyway at the time. Not a lot, but this old grandfather goanna was kind of a part of our life at the time. I um, haven't seen him for a few years now, but uh, at the time he was quite a regular around our place. So whether it was he was attracted by the smell or he was just there anyway, who knows, but we weren't taking any risks. Um, he was huge. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I live in the community that I live on is a wildlife sanctuary. So, you know, we're very aware that a lot of our um, extended family, shall we say, in the wildlife, you know, they were here before us and, and so we don't really move them on. Um, yeah, but we became, because we just weren't there with her, like we were actually leaving her sometimes when she would be asleep, you know, we'd leave her for, you know, 10 minutes while you go and brush your teeth and come back. Uh, and, and I just got to a certain point where, no, 24 hours was enough. And also during my first pregnancy and birth, my partner didn't have a lot of say. I was going to say input, but... He had plenty of input, but he didn't have a lot of say in how things went. And he wanted to cut off the placenta at 24 hours. And because of the goanna and because... Um, it was yeah, time. He just felt like it was time and he felt like last time it had 
had been a bit of a hassle and stuff, which I didn't agree with at all and I felt fine about it. But um, I, I thought, okay, you know, it's no big deal. She's had 24 hours of, of getting all that blood in. And also the healing that took place for me the first time round was really quite profound. So I didn't have the same sort of sense of profundity and need around it that I'd had the first time because with Tal's birth, he had his placenta for five, five days. Um, so, yeah, so it was a bit different the second time. Um, we did continue to do Nappy Free with her because I'd made a film about it. <laughs> In between the two babies, I'd made a film about Nappy Free. Oh, so is there um, something we can link to with that? Yeah, I, I have a website called nappyfree.com.au and I sell DVDs um, about that practice, uh, interviewing a few different people. Um, and, yeah. Great. Yeah, so, so very different experience the second time yeah. round, and, and, but just as beautiful and just as, as um, generous in its gifts to me and my family. And, yeah, mm. my son was delighted to have a little sister and um, I often go back to those moments where he first saw her and welcomed her um, because their relationship has not gone on to be quite so loving. <laughs> so I often go back in my mind to those first moments and, and remember that, that they do have the capacity for being loving together. Did you yeah. want to spend a few minutes um, before we wrap it up just talking about limbic imprint recoding and the work that you're doing now with Birth Into Being? Yeah, so um, basically, you know, having had such incredible births, I felt very much like giving something back out into the world that that um, shared the, the possibilities of birth. And, you know, I didn't go on about it too much, but, uh, you know, I had very profound spiritual experiences with both my births. And um, I do feel like they've fed me and, and helped me to evolve not just in my mothering, but as a person. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to give something of that back. And I was researching to make a film about the spirituality of birth and, you know, what, what, what the experience can bring to not just the mother, but everyone involved. And that's when I came across Birth As We Know It, uh, which was released in 2006. My last birth was in 2005. And that led to me meeting Elena, hosting her for a workshop here on my community and um, ultimately beginning to work with her and training in the birth into being method that she has created. This method has its foundations in the very origins of water birth, which were in Russia. Uh, and it's an incredible healing modality that basically uses the transformative power of birth to recreate imprints for people who have had less than blissful entries to life themselves. So there's a whole bunch of um, information around how we tend to birth as we were born and how very often the things that hold us back in birth are the same things that hold us back in life. And so using birth and and the imprints of birth as a doorway to transformation is um, is sort of built on those premises and yeah it's it's really incredible creative deep intimate work that I do with groups in in person workshops now I'm doing online workshops and courses and I also do private sessions either via Skype or in person. And, yeah, we've got a whole bunch of processes up our sleeves that, that feed into different aspects of ourselves, and a lot of them are related to that early life period. And um, what we love to say in Birth Into Being is that it's never too late to have a beautiful birth. Mm. It's never too late to gift yourself with those foundational experiences that help you to see the world as a safe place, to trust um, yourself, life in general, the people around you, um, and to give and receive love 
freely and openly without fear and, and inhibition. Well so, said. Uh, I think yeah. too, is it suitable for people that might not be looking to have children again but need that sort of healing, I suppose, from their birth Absolutely. Dreams? Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, it's great for anyone because we've all been born uh, and it can always get better, even if you did have an amazing entry to life. Um, there's always different ways that you can you can use these processes to feed yourself on that foundational level. Um, but it is incredible preparation for birth because, like I said, the things that hold us back in life are the same things that will hold us back in birth. And that's stuff like self-esteem issues, trust, trust in your body, trust in the universe, um, you know, belief in oneself and one's abilities, surrender. Our culture is so heavily dominated by the cortex, which is our thinking rational mind. And, you know, we're so encouraged to operate from our heads rather than our bodies. And, you know, birth just isn't like that and you've got to get out of your head in lots of ways and so yeah doing some preparation that helps you to let go into that um is very helpful mm. and it's for humanity too isn't it it's like a lot of what you said it you know put aside sort of taking the prenatal vitamins and doing this and that for pregnancy um this work is so important because you heal one person and the flow-on effect just carries through. So we need to do this for the generations to come, for our children, our children's children, clear the channels and make it easier for their their birth processes into the... Absolutely. Yeah, it's so important, Absolutely. the work that you're doing. So, <laughs> yeah. And if I, anyone wants to begin to look into it, they can go to your website, is that birthintobeing.com.au... That's right. And I would highly suggest to – can you, they download Birth As We Know It from your website or is there a link to get to the uh, – You can download the film in its entirety. I do have a free version of the film available to watch. It's, a, it's the educational version, so it's only 25 minutes long. And if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get access to, to that free viewing of, birth, of that short version of Birth As We Know It. Um, saying that, if you are pregnant or approaching conception, it, it's good to watch the whole thing. Um, but 25 minutes is, is great for for partners, for example, you know, yep. or um, extended yep. family that are interested. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, just back to what you were saying about you know this work being healing on a on a um, species level. It definitely is, and I mean. I come to this work from the perspective of a spiritual seeker, of a very strong environmentalist, and um, and also as a as a passionate mother who wants to create a world worth living in for my tribe to come. You know, <laughs> my my grandchildren and my grandchildren's grandchildren. Uh, if we are going to survive and thrive as a species. We need to address our birth practices. So there's a whole bunch of political stuff that goes on with that. But even on a personal level, each individual making, you know, taking the steps to prepare to be able to give birth consciously and with ease, to be able to bring their babies in without fear without a whole bunch of unnecessary interventions. You know, a lot of the hiccups and, and setbacks in birth are due to psychological reasons. Mm. Which, of course are, which are based on, I suppose, like you said, that subconscious mind that's which right. can initiate the fear-based responses. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. close up that cervix and failure to progress and, oh, my God, here we go, you know, let's bring on some syntocin, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and for home birthers to you know to really foster that internal environment where they know that they can do it, so that they can have a birth without complications. Um, I mean, everybody wants a birth without complications, but if you're birthing at home, you know that that's really high, high, high on your agenda, and um, 
doing preparation is key. And, yeah, the, the birth into being work offers that kind of clearing experience. And, um, yeah, I definitely come to this work from a perspective of conscious evolution. I believe that we have the capacity to thrive as a species. I do believe we can turn this situation around, but we have to keep on it. And so there's so many different fronts that people are working on. And, and this is my little area of, you know, chipping away and making sure that people understand how important birth is to our continued well-being and health on this planet and to our connection to the planet. You know, if we want people to care uh, about their environment and the, and the planet that we're living on, and if we expect people to be able to work together, um, we have to bring them in gently and surrounded by love. Mm. Yeah, Because exactly. it, it triggers and, and opens up all those neurological pathways to make it possible for them to live that way. It's it's just like our bodies that you know that we're not sort of single can't single out all our organs and just think that they work separately they all work together and it's the same like you said if we address with birth then we make that connection into environment and you know our own bodies and um, so many aspects of the world as as we live in it so that's right yeah. and to live you know to live with awareness of our interdependence. And if we really feel into and believe in our interdependence, um, we're more likely to make healthy choices. And we're more likely to be able to work together with other people to create the kind of world where we can thrive. Well said. Thank you, Nicole, so much for coming in to sharing your birth journeys and just those important sort of words of wisdom that you've just shared with us too. Your work is so valid and important and I have a lot of gratitude for, for you taking the time to share share that with the listeners. Thank and you. Let's get it out there. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk about my baby's entry to life. Um, yeah, I feel very blessed uh, with, this, with, this, with what I had and I feel very blessed to be able to share it and to contribute to the kind of wellspring of positive birth stories that are out there for mamas to absorb. Did you connect with this episode? Then head over to our website, circleofbirth.com. There you'll find show notes, pictures, resources, and potentially connect with today's storyteller. Don't forget to sign up to be updated with new empowering episodes and content. Help the show grow by contributing a tip in the jar to make sure we can continue to better the podcast and connect more and more to the wisdom and birth and each other. Hey, and don't forget the iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we empower. We empower.